There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. From Equitymates Media, this is The Dive. I'm your host, Sasha Kelly. Pokies, poker machines, slot machines... Whatever you call them, they have been front of mind in Australia recently. In a tough newsstand, the Premier is promising action on the state's worsening addiction to poker machines, with shock figures showing gamblers are losing more than a million dollars every hour. Australia is home to less than half a percent of the world's population, but we're home to 20% of its pokies, and 80% of those are located outside of casinos. The result is a nation with the world's worst average gambling losses, well over $1,000 per adult each year. But this is no mistake. There have been some powerful forces behind the rise of pokies. It's Monday, the 27th of February, and today I want to know, why are there so many pokies in Australia? To do this, I'm joined by my colleague here at Equity Mates. It's Darcy Gordell. Darcy, welcome to The Dive. Thanks, Sasha. From the outset... We want to acknowledge that this is a tough issue and with the New South Wales state election coming up, it's front of mind for a lot of voters. We are going to try and avoid stepping into the politics of this issue and we're not going to talk about where we should go from here, but rather we want to unpack how we did get here, how Australia became the land of the pokies. If you're having trouble with gambling, there are services to assist you. The Gambling Helpline, 1800 858 858, is a free confidential telephone help service which operates 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I'll put those details in the show notes below. And if hearing an episode about gambling is triggering for you, just don't listen today. We'll see you on Wednesday. So Darcy, let's turn to the story. Nearly half of Australia's $25 billion annual losses in gambling goes into poker machines. And the issue appears to be getting worse. According to one study, the share of Australians with a gambling problem has doubled over the past decade to more than 1%. Why do we have such a big problem in Australia? A big part of Australia's gambling problem is simply the ability to legally gamble in so many places. It's just so accessible. The role poker machines are playing with problem gambling. The Premier didn't mince words today. Problem gambling is a scourge on our state. People's lives are being destroyed, families are being broken. We're taxing on the misery of others. In most of the world, electronic slot machines or pokies are confined mainly to casinos, but not in most parts of Australia. They're littered through pubs, clubs, even marketed as VIP lounges around the country. Our story of pokies goes back almost 100 years. Illegal mechanised pokies, dubbed one-armed bandits, began appearing in Australia in the 1930s. By 1956, they were so widespread that authorities in New South Wales decided to legalise them in the hundreds of social clubs that had opened during the post-war boom. But at this stage, no other state legalised them. The non-profit clubs in New South Wales, they ploughed their earnings into restaurants, sport facilities, entertainment centres and more pokies. But it was really the 1990s when pokies use exploded in Australia. 
New South Wales legalised in 1956, ACT in 1976, but it wasn't until the 1990s that we saw a huge wave of legalisation. Victoria and Queensland in 1991, South Australia one year later, Tasmania in 1997 and then the Northern Territory in 1998. And this also coincided with pokies going electronic, which allowed players to play far more games, faster, with more flashing lights and music, more addictive, and you could lose money far quicker. But back to New South Wales, in the 1990s, pokies were bringing in so much money that clubs were seen to have a competitive advantage over pubs. So to even the playing field, the New South Wales government allowed casinos, pubs and hotels to install pokies in the mid-90s. And from that decade, Sasha, pokies use has just continued to grow. Today, we're at a point where Australia has 200,000 pokey machines and nearly half of them belong to New South Wales, which has more poker machines than the whole of Las Vegas. As we look at the landscape today, many of Australia's clubs and pubs rely on revenue from poker machines. They do. And Ibis World looked at the average revenue mix for Australian social clubs. This is pretty shocking. 13% comes from food and meals, 17% from other services, 22% from alcohol sales, but 48% from gambling. Now that's the average, not every club is the same, but for that to be the average is a really worrying look at the revenue mix and the reliance on poker machines. And throughout history, Australia hasn't just become the land of the slot machine player, it's also become the land of the slot machine Maker. That's right. Some of the biggest gaming machine companies are based here in Australia. And globally, there's no one person more associated with the rise of the slot machine than Len Ainsworth. He founded Aristocrat in 1953 and he was right at the forefront of legalisation in New South Wales and the growth of poker machines all around the world. Aristocrat began exporting machines to the US in the 60s and it was one of the first companies to make electronic pokies. And now today it's the world's largest slot machine manufacturer, neck and neck with the UK's international gaming technology. In 2021, Sasha, Aristocrat filed more patent applications than any other Australian-based applicant. They filed 157 patents compared to CSIRO in second with 45. Wow. But Len Ainsworth actually left Aristocrat in 1984 after he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. After recovering from that cancer scare, he founded Ainsworth Gaming Technologies in 1995. And now Ainsworth Gaming Technologies supplies up to 35% of Australia's poker machines. Does he tell me, how did Aristocrat react to that? Their founder goes and starts a company with direct rivalry with them? Yeah, they were not very happy and Ainsworth and his family still have a large stake in Aristocrat. But it got a little bit sour in July 2019 when Aristocrat actually sued Ainsworth, alleging that they used proprietary code and media assets leaked by a former Aristocrat employee to produce a clone of its popular Lightning Link games. But you know what, I don't think Len Ainsworth is too worried. As of May 2021, he was listed 16th on the AFR Rich List with an estimated net worth of over $5 billion. And as the gaming industry evolves, the two companies Len Ainsworth founded have been on the forefront of many of the trends in the gambling industry. Yeah, Aristocrat have been on the forefront of the shift to online gaming. Aristocrat now has a booming online computer game business which accounts for over 40% of its revenue. 
One of those games is called Anaxi, which is a real money online gaming platform. But they've also developed a number of free-to-play mobile games, applications, some of which are identical to the slot machines, but you just don't win or lose any money. And these make money through in-app purchases. So that, Darcy, is a quick timeline of how Australia became the land of the slot machine. We're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how Australia remains the land of the slot machine. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to The Dive. I'm your host, Sasha Kelly. Quick favour to ask. It'll take 10 minutes. We've got our community survey. It closes tomorrow. So this is your last chance to tell us what we should be doing here at Equity Mates Media. It will take you less than 10 minutes, less than the second half of this podcast to fill out. And then you'll go in the running to either win $500 or tickets to FinFest, which this year is on the 11th of November, or just the feel-good vibes to know that you've helped your favourite podcasters make some smart decisions this year. Our sincere thanks to everyone who has taken the time to fill this out. We really, really appreciate it. But back to the subject at hand today. Gambling away billions of dollars every year, New South Wales has again recorded the highest poker machine losses of anywhere in the world. As the damage bill keeps rising, industry reform is shaping up to become a hot topic at next year's state election. Darcy, we've been speaking about how Australia became the land of the slot machine. But I want to turn to why Australia remains the land of the slot machine now. And to unpack this part of the story, we need to look to the business of gambling in Australia. Where does that money go? The profits of pokies first and most obviously flow to the casinos, pubs and clubs that own the licences to run them. I mentioned earlier that on average 48% of profits for social clubs comes from gambling. But then there is a big tax collected. Governments collect over $7 billion in taxes per year across all gambling sectors. And to put that in perspective, the federal government collects about $15 billion a year from cigarette taxes. So after that, some of the profits are then put back into local communities, typically in the form of support for junior sport. And that gives clubs a pretty strong argument against attempts to rein in the number of pokies. But studies into the amount of money that flows back into communities do give us pause. Reporting from The Guardian from December last year found that Victoria's RSLs made $163 million from gambling in the 21-22 financial year, but they only gave back $8.4 million in direct community funding. But Darcy, I read that Victorian poker machines had legislation that meant that they had to return 87% of the total amount that's bet every year. Sasha, that's where the return to player setting comes in. And that's the average amount won by players as a share of the cumulative amount staked. It takes millions of games for a machine to tend towards its return to player setting. So there's no individual requirement for an individual machine to return its winnings and the total value of prizes paid to all players will always be less than the total amount of money gambled on any machine. So crucially, Darcy, 87, it still represents that there's 13% that is always being lost. Well, to make it clear how hard it is to win, Sasha, can you guess the chances of landing a jackpot on a poker machine? Uh, I have no idea. I know that the lotto, it's in the millions. So 100,000 to one. 
uh, a lot higher than that. So to win the jackpot, it's literally a one in 35,640,000 chance. So the real jackpot here is holding the licence to collect people's losses. And speaking of these licence holders and the profits they make, a fair chunk of their profits are reinvested into political lobbying efforts to ensure that Australia remains the land of the slot machine. Yeah, and there have been efforts to lessen the number of pokies or the size of Australia's gambling losses, most notably with Julia Gillard's government in 2010. But these are always met with an immense, well-funded lobbying effort. Former South Australian Senator Nick Xenophon was a big proponent of gambling reform and he was a vocal opponent to the gambling lobby. He compared the power of the gambling lobby in Australia to that of the gun lobby in the United States. Pretty powerful comparison. I'm not happy about pokies being in South Australia, but this is the best plan to reduce the harm, to reduce the misery and devastation. And Tasmanian Member of Parliament Andrew Wilkie has commented that the gambling lobby, quote, have tentacles deep into the political system here. In 2010, the Prime Minister and I reached an agreement on meaningful poking machine reform. Uh, we put it in writing uh, and we both signed our names to it. In 2020, the ABC reported that the gambling industry had donated at least $60 million to the three major political parties over the past 20 years. Despite this lobbying effort, though, Darcy, we have seen different states push back on poker machines. Yeah, and we're talking about it today because New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet is taking his pokies policy to the election. He's introduced a plan for mandatory cashless gaming in pubs and clubs throughout the state. For generations to come, we will not have money laundering and we will not have family breakdown due to problem gambling in this state. That's what we solve today. If implemented, by the end of 2024, people will no longer be able to use cash. They'll have to have a preloaded card that they use at the pokies and that allows you to put a limit on the amount that can be gambled each day. Players will need to set daily loss limits of up to $100 or monthly limits of up to $500 or annual limits of $5,000. And these can only be set higher should the person have a proven capacity to afford it. Tasmania have also acted, announcing plans to bring in a mandatory card-based scheme for all players by the end of 2024. And I know that Western Australia is arguably ahead of all other states with their poker policy as well. Poker machines are a common sight in pubs and clubs across the eastern states, but they're banned in Western Australia. Instead, there are electronic gaming machines, or EGMs, and you'll only find them in Perth's Crown Casino. In Western Australia, poker machines are actually only allowed in the casino, and there are just over 2,400 machines in the state compared to more than 91,000 in New South Wales. So per capita, that's less than one per 1,000 residents in WA. And in New South Wales, it's more than 11 per 1,000 residents. And it looks to be working, Sasha. As a result, WA has the lowest rates of gambling losses per capita in the country. $655 per capita a year compared to 1,600 in New South Wales. And the Western Australian experience is instructive when it comes to one of the big arguments you'll hear against poker machine reform, which is that problem gamblers will just turn to other gambling options like sports betting. 
That's right. And Dr Francis Markham, a research fellow at the ANU, estimates that the rest of Australia reports 1.6 times more problem gambling symptoms than Western Australia. And he says it appears that the money would have been gambled if poker machines were more common in the state, but that money is not going to other forms of gambling. Research suggests that there is a far from a one-to-one substitution effect, if any, between different forms of gambling. And that really brings us to the broader context of this story. Pokies or no pokies, Australians just love a punt, especially with sports books. How about this Philly in the fifth, fellas? Put a 50 on it. You know, I give you a... You know. Make it look easy. With sports bets, same game multi. More markets. It all adds up. Australians collectively lose $25 billion a year on gambling, and half of that is from pokies. The average Australian adult drops about $1,200 on gambling every year. And to put that in perspective, Singapore is second at just over $1,000. Ireland is third, but they're only at $600 per person. And Americans, they're only at $400. So if WA was its own country, even with these tighter poker machine laws, it would still be third in the world. Better, but still not great. Again, if this episode has triggered anything for you, do reach out to the Gambling Helpline, 1-800-858-858. Those links, again, in the show notes below. But I think that's all we'll have time for in today's episode. A reminder that FinFest is returning on the 11th of November. Register your details to keep up to date and access early bird ticket prices. Go to equitymates.com. If you want to keep this conversation going, then hit us up by email. We're the dive at equitymates.com or hit follow and subscribe wherever you're listening right now. And then you're never going to miss another episode. Darcy, pleasure to have your company this morning. Thanks, Asha. You too. Until next time. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Thank you.